0: You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Our desire is to honor and share the best parts of the Christian contemplative traditions so that this collective wisdom might serve the flourishing of humanity, all beings, and all of creation. My name is Ben Kesey, and I lead the development team at the Center for Action and Contemplation. I want to thank all of you who are generous donors, giving freely and cheerfully to make this work possible. If you've been impacted by these podcast conversations and are inspired to invest in the future of CAC's mission and work, twice per year, we invite your financial support. To contribute, go to cac.org donate
1: to make a gift. Thank you so much. Greetings, uh, I'm Jim Finley.
0: And I'm Kirsten Oates.
1: Welcome to Turning to the Mystics. Greetings, everyone. And welcome to this uh, bonus session in which uh, Kirsten and I were talking about how helpful it would be to see what the implications are our efforts to turn to the mystics for spiritual guidance in guiding us and how we understand and respond to this widespread social unrest throughout the United States and other countries in the world too um, in response to the killing of George Floyd which is seen also to be but the latest example of an ongoing systemic racism within the culture. And then the rising up like a collective consciousness, the collection of the movement of the spirit in the world, moving people to make a response to this. And so our, our commitment to the mystics uh, is a commitment then to this um, presence of God that utterly transcends the darkness of this world, but not to uh, distance us from it rather to radicalize our commitment to God's presence in the world. And so the mystics, the tonal tonal quality of the mystics then, in the Christian mystic, let the mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. Um, How would Jesus, uh, how could we join Jesus in how Jesus would understand what's happening? How could we join Jesus in what Jesus' attitude would be, that it might be our attitude? And how might that Christ consciousness move us to act in response to this societal crisis-slash-opportunity, really? And to get at this, in this brief reflection here, I thought I'd show with you a a paraphrase in the writings of St. Augustine, who was a great early Christian philosopher, theologian, and mystic. And I, want to, I want to paraphrase it this way, I think this is in the Confessions of Augustine. Augustine's insight is that whenever we're prejudiced against anybody, based on race, or a sexual orientation, or a ethnic cultural background, or religious belief, or what, any reason what it might be, we at some very deep level are prejudiced against ourselves. Because underlying these cultural, societal, historical differences is the underlying a bond of our shared humanity with each other. That were, we're woven into uh, each other. Which by the way, is really what activates empathy. Why we relate and respond to each other because we sense that interconnectedness with each other. And for us here too, in the sense of faith or in the sense of the mystics, it goes even deeper because here, we say whenever we're prejudiced against anyone, we're prejudiced against ourselves as a person created by God in the image and likeness of God. That, that, that all of us are the children of God. That all of us are siblings of infinite love. And we're woven together in that love. And so the, the, the spiritual depth dimension of the destructive power of prejudice rises up than in this kind of fundamental understanding of how we understand this and respond to this. And so um, I think this, what this invites us to do is to re- reflect on this as a kind of a contemplative lexio divina, because it bears upon this ancient, um, long standing tradition of the relationship between spiritual awakening and social justice, between spiritual awakening and the corporal works of mercy. And um, it, it's now sitting in our lap. This is our turn now to be present to this. And um, so my suggestion then would be to do, uh, toward the end of this little reflection here, where we're gonna s- uh, sit in meditation together. But my thought for you is that you would consider as spiritual practices, as you're so inclined. For example, you might stand uh, for eight minutes and 46 seconds in a kind of a sacramental uh, embodiment or oneness with the community of concerned, compassionate people in the presence of God. And in this way also to know that in doing so, you take your stand, Because another key thing about these mystics is that when we sit in silent meditation giving ourselves over to God, the healing energies of that sitting flow out and touch the whole world in ways we don't understand. There's a kind of unseen contemplative ministry to the world and our sitting practice grounds us in that to take our stand. Another suggestion would be to consider A reading the the signs that people are putting up on the fences and walls and holding up. Like that Simon and Garfunkel song, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls and tenement halls. Or also there's some excellent um, Google articles of talks of of sociologists and theologians and ministers and pastors, who we can also kind of listen to, that kind of help us and encourage us and guide us in this. So, and then, as you're so inclined, then, to ground all this, to keep then returning back to the mystical taproot, to keep re-energizing, returning to these things, that's a very good way to understand what it means to live a contemplative way of life in the midst of the world, to be a healing presence in an all-too-often-traumatizing world, and uh, so those are my thoughts, those are the thoughts that I would offer here for all of us person who's here with me, zooming with me here with this, with, along with Corey, is. Um, do you have any anything strike you, or anything? uh just sit with you?
0: Thank you, Jim. I do. I do have a couple of questions. Um, the first one, just thinking about your reflection on what would Jesus do and what would Jesus say, and that when we think about prejudice, that there there can be internal. Personal prejudice, and Jesus certainly spoke to personal faith and personal transformation. But he also called out systems and uh, pointed to where systems were oppressing people, and that that that's something that Jesus might point to in this time.
1: Yes, I'd say this. For example, one example. There's a number of examples of this in the Gospels. You know, the parables of the of the Good Samaritan. This is person has is, uh, fallen prey to robbers is on the road, and uh, a devout Jewish person goes by, another goes by, and a Samaritan stops, see, and binds the person's wounds, so that Jesus says to the person, who's the person's neighbor? Mm-hmm. And so what he was addressing is it isn't just that an individual person in his Jewish community might be prejudiced against the Samaritans because they weren't Jewish in the, the The whole issue around the samaritan issue but by their silence they were complicit in the systemic prejudice of the jewish community and jesus called them out on that and that's why i addressed it directly to the jewish leaders that were also in collusion with that same thing so truth to power see how do we treat truth to power both personally within our hearts And that we're not in collusion, that we recognize and don't stay passively in collusion with these systemic forces.
0: And Jim, I think the hard thing for a white person like me is that I don't naturally see the prejudice or racism built into our systems. The banking system, education, healthcare, the legal system have all worked pretty well for me for my lifetime and I've had no incentive to look for prejudice or racism within those systems. And in fact, if I look deep inside myself, I might find fear to disrupt systems that work well for me. So I feel like on a couple of fronts, I have to make an effort to uh, overcome my fear and to look for voices who can see the prejudice and the racism built in the systems. And in general, those voices are suppressed by the systems themselves. And so you have to look really hard to find them, and um, we're at a time now where those voices are being raised up. And so with that in mind, Jim and I wanted to keep this podcast uh, brief and really encourage you to go and and listen to those voices, to black and African-American voices in particular, and uh, join us in a contemplative practice of opening your hearts to what you hear and to how your and my passive participation in these systems may contribute to the kind of suffering that people experience. And through our sense of connection and oneness, God's desire to end suffering can work through us. And so with that in mind, Jim, I I think you are going to lead us in a practice to end. The session today.
1: So let's do that. Let's have a sitting and we'll do this. And what I want to do here is just a brief set. I'm going to invite you to sit straight, fold your hands in prayer, we'll bow. I'll ring the bell once. And we'll sit just for a few minutes. And then I'll ring the bell once again and we'll bow. And again, as you're so inclined then on your own, uh, you can continue weaving this aspect into your practice and the teachings of the mystics into your life. So I invite you then to sit straight, hold your hands in prayer and bow.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Turning to the Mystics, a podcast created by the Center for Action and Contemplation. We'll see you again soon. Do you feel called to walk a more contemplative path? The Center for Action and Contemplation is an educational nonprofit supporting the journey of inner transformation. Our programs and resources will help grow your consciousness. Deepen your prayer practice and strengthen your compassionate engagement with the world. Learn more about our resources, such as publications, podcasts, email series, and events at www.cac.org.